Welcome to Gary on Guns. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. And uh, this testosterone-laden program uh, includes uh, my uh, co-hosts, Mr. Scott Van Kirk, former law enforcement and a firearms trainer. Not a bad guy after all. Scott, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. It's going even better because uh, we've got Gun Owners of America on the program. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, I've been a member of the National Rifle Association for, it seems like, decades. Uh, and, in fact, was Wayne LaPierre's uh, fill-in guest host when he had a show at Westwood One. But it, it seems to me that they sort of fail on the hard things. They, they don't, they're just too political. But there is an organization out there that I'm officially going to join today. Uh, and it's Gun Owners of America. And it's because they had the testicular fortitude to do things like go after bump stocks. And they did so successfully. Uh, so uh, I'm pleased to tell you that uh, Jordan Stein is on board with us from Gun Owners of America, and he is their communications director. Jordan, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Glad to be on, and we really appreciate you coming on as a member. We're glad to have you. Well, I want to I start off by asking you uh, the route to success on the bump stock ban. Uh, you know, we all acknowledge that bump stocks aren't particularly useful, uh, they may be a little bit fun, although they, they are great for blowing through ammunition. But it was the fact that they were actually going after, uh, that they were actually going after this uh, as though they had a right to. So it wasn't the bump stock itself, it was the nose of the camel. Exactly. You know, GOA has said all along in relation to bump stocks is it's not about the bump stock, right? It's about government overreach and getting that nose of the camel underneath the tent to where they can come in and further regulate. Now, hold on a second, because uh, we clearly have a uh, a glitch here. Uh, let's see. Welcome to Gary on Guns. Oh. Welcome to Gary on Guns. Glad to have you with us. Glad. All right. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> Let's just take it from here. Uh, and, in fact, was Wayne LaPierre's uh, fill-in guest host when he had a show at Westwood One. But it, it seems to me that they sort of fail on the hard things. They, they don't, they're just too political. But there is an organization out there that I'm officially going to join today. Uh, and it's Gun Owners of America. And it's because they had the testicular fortitude to do things like go after bump stocks. And they did so successfully. Uh, so uh, I'm pleased to tell you that uh, Jordan Stein is on board with us from Gun Owners of America, and he is their communications director. Jordan, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Glad to be on, and we really appreciate you coming on as a member. We're glad to have you. Well, I want to I start off by asking you uh, the route to success on the bump stock ban. Uh, you know, we all acknowledge that bump stocks aren't particularly useful, uh, they may be a little bit fun, although they, they are great for blowing through ammunition. But it was the fact that they were actually going after, uh, that they were actually going after this uh, as though they had a right to. So it wasn't the bump stock itself, it was the nose of the camel. Exactly. You know, GOA has said all along in relation to bump stocks is it's not about the bump stock, right? It's about government overreach and getting that nose of the camel underneath the tent to where they can come in and further regulate. 
her, uh, you know, uh, brace pistols and, and arm braces. And, and it, it, they're using that same logic by the ATF to go after bump socks that they did with uh, braces. But thankfully, we won. We beat the the ATF uh, in the court on, on bump stocks. And, and we'll use this victory to fight other attacks on braces and, and any other uh, attacks that, that Biden will put, put at us. What was your path? How did you, you know, uh, go after the bump stock argument? I mean, did, did you have to have somebody that wanted to keep their bump stock? How did you challenge them? Yeah, so we had uh, several people, uh, you know, bump stock owner that said, look, look, I, I, I'm affected by this rule. Um, it's going to make me destroy my property. I do not want to surrender my property. We had uh, plaintiffs that uh, wanted to buy a bump stock but couldn't uh, do so because of the ATS determination. Um, and, and, you know, we, we picked a, a court that we felt would be sympathetic to, to our ear. And um, and we were very strategic about it. And, you know, GOA, we're primarily focused on the legislative scene. But when we get into the courts, we try to be very strategic about it because it's a long, expensive, drawn out process. And uh, and this is just a real, you know, shout out to our legal team that that did some really killer legal arguments. And just, you know, uh, we had a situation where thankfully common sense prevailed. And uh, when it was appealed, that the the appeal court kicked it back down to the Sixth Circuit, saying, "Look, bump stocks are not machine guns. You know, the ATF does not have the Chevron deference to determine this, and so you have to redo a, a ruling now uh, with with the fact of that bump stocks are not machine guns." And that was a pretty significant victory that that we had there. So. Yeah, it was quite a slap down. Now, is there an appeal pending, or is the government going? back to court do they have a, a an avenue there so as i understand it the the the, the original court where all uh, it all started i believe it was the sixth uh, circuit court has to now uh re-rule rewrite their ruling with the the premise of that bump stocks are not machine guns so they have to start for, start it over but with a new set of facts and and the facts are, are certainly on our side now because of uh, the appeals court you know, pushing it back down, saying you have to use this definition. All right, so that that's going to be quite a uh, quite a challenge. It seems almost insurmountable. Uh, is that is that the feeling you guys have at Gun Owners of America? Well, because of the victory, we're actually optimistic that you know we'll be successful. And, and trust me, we're we're using every resources we have at our disposal to uh, uh, to to win this fight. All right, you implied that. Uh, there were lessons learned in this case that you can apply to President Biden uh, and his uh, limit on magazines and his going after the arm braces and 80 percenters. Uh, and, and people who are listening to the program probably already know what an 80 percenter is. But for those of you who are new to the firearms world, uh, it is a chunk of metal that has been partially ground out, but not completely milled. And it's a, essentially it's a paperweight until somebody with some skills and some directions and the right tools carves it up and drills it out and turns it into uh, a lower, a, 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 a key part of a firearm, an AR-15, for instance. And they want to ban them. Uh, they've got a name for them, but they're just really 80 percenters. Um, what is, how are you going, uh, you know, how are you going after those? 
so to not get too legalese or, or, or technical about it, there's this uh, uh, a term in when it comes to regulatory agencies called Chevron deference. And, and essentially, you know, that, that gives these uh, agencies like the ATF or the EPA or you know, all, there's a billion of them, it feels like, a certain amount of leeway of how to regulate or implement certain laws, right? Well, our case actually won uh, and said that the on this matter, the ATF doesn't can't use Chevron deference, and uh, they have to use our definition, you know, of a bump stock or a machine gun, saying that bump stocks are not machine guns. So that, that was... Without getting too technical, that's kind of the victory. And now we can use this going forward uh, when and if uh, an attack on braces or, or 80s or uh, any other attacks that the Biden administration may do. The, well, Scott, go ahead if you've got a... Well, I was going to, um, back when we were still on bump stocks, so as it was kicked down, the bump stock uh, ruling was kicked down from the appellate court back down to the circuit court. Do you have a timeline? on when it's going to be relitigated with relitigated in and uh, at that lower level you know it's still really tough to say and you know the the thing about the courts is they move at a, a snail's pace so you know i i get calls from members all the time saying what's the latest on the bump stock case and for it felt like a whole year that the uh, the update was nothing and it was very discouraging but that's just sadly how our our courts work but it, it, you know we're it's not. It's not a lack of, of progress on our end. We're doing. We're doing everything we can. Oh, I, of that I have no doubt. I, I would imagine your legal team is ready to go the second they call and say, "All right, here we go." Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be the government side that is going to slow this down process down as much as possible. Uh, that's inherent in the in the you know that's in the special sauce there. Um, I can see where success on the bump stocks has really got some potential to help us out with some of this other uh, regulatory overreach because nothing has been done legislatively. None of this has been done legislatively. It is quite simply that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, with some guidance from the um, the whichever administration you want to talk about, the last one or this one, uh, basically just coming out and saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to change the rules in the middle of the game and change, wholly just change the definition of, of what essential parts of various firearms are. And the big ones now are pistol braces and, to be honest with you, I think 80% completed lowers and receivers is pretty much what they're looking to do there. I don't know, I don't know I take that back because with standard capacity magazines, anything over 10 rounds, they're also looking to redefine those under the NFA as well, aren't they? Yeah, and um, you know another thing Biden is pushing is David Chipman uh, for the director of the ATF, and, and boy, is he bad news for for gun rights. And and when he, he was David Chipman is actually a registered anti-gun lobbyist. He he works for the Giffords Gun Control Group, and uh, they put out a document. Uh, you know, it was like ten items that could be. Uh, the next bump stock. Let me, uh, let, me let me let me let uh, me interrupt you here for just a second because I'm I'm up against a commercial break. If you just turn the radio on, Jordan Stein is with us. He is the communications director uh, at Gun Owners of America. And if you've got a couple of minutes, you can hang on during the break. We'll come back and we'll wrap this up. Is that okay? I, not a problem. Great, Jordan Stein. I'm Gary on Guns. Welcome back to Gary on Guns. I'm your host, Gary Nolan. Scott Van Kirk is here someplace on the other side of the console. And I am pleased to tell you that we are joined. 
We're, we're joined. Bejourned. You yes, want to do this because one of us we're should. We're joined. Yes. One of us should know what the hell they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Stein is with us, communications director at the Gun Owners of America, uh, and we were uh, kind of talking about uh, the eighty percenters and the arm braces. And I interrupted. When we went, when we went into the break, uh, Jordan was talking about the current administration's nominee to head the ATF. Correct. Uh, continue to elaborate on that for us, Jordan. Yeah, so, so David Shipman, is, he's a bad news for the Second Amendment. And uh, the organization who he, uh, he worked for is uh, the Guilfords Group, and they're a rabidly anti-gun Second Amendment group. And they put, put out a document uh, that it was like 10 items that could be the next bump stock. And through that, they, they target like uh, everything from like 50 cal, uh, caliber rifles of course, arm braces. Uh, but one of the things that they, they argued, and again, we want to talk about you know, mental gymnastics, right, is that they argue that so-called high-capacity magazines, you know, whether that's the, like a 100-round mag or even a 30-round mag or, or, or the like, it, you know, because it could be fired quickly and rapidly somehow, uh, that those are machine guns and those should be regulated as NFA items as well, which should, you know, subject to registration, travel restrictions, and a $200 tax stamp. Um, you know, and it, it just goes to the absurdity of, of, of all this gun control. And it shows you that where David Shipman wants to go, should he lead the ATF? All right. That's, oh, and and, and Shipman's also a, um, a relic left over from the um, Waco debacle, isn't he? Going all the way back. Yeah, the, the yeah. early '90s. Correct. One of the the scary things about Chipman is there's this picture of him on the internet, uh, uh, and he's in like BDUs and like a green shirt, and there's like smoldering uh, remains of the Waco uh, uh, branch compound, and I, some some people say there's bodies in that photo, and it's just it's just really scary as a gun owner to have him potentially leading the ATF. Weren't they trying to make a big splash when they did that? They were, because they could have gotten after David Koresh when he was jogging. They knew he jogged every day. Uh, they, if they wanted him, they could have gotten him then. But instead, they wanted to make this big splash. And and uh, well, it well from a historical standpoint, we don't. And I don't want to get off too far on a tangent. It was a, a situation where we were starting to look at budgetary concerns. And if I remember this one correctly, because obviously in the early nineties I was a very young man. Um, there was talk in the legislative branch of rolling the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms into the FBI. So they wanted to have this big arrest, everything. You saw that they actually had a, a professional camera crew with them filming the raid, and it was going to be this big, uh, for, for lack of a better term, fundraiser for them to be able to show Congress, no, we should still be our own agency as opposed to being rolled into the FBI. Sadly, they are. Uh, <laughs> in spite of that debacle, they're still, still around. I want to ask you some very general questions, Jordan, before we let you go about uh, gun owners of America and and gun laws. Uh, first question is, uh, how long have you guys been around? We've been around since 1976. 1976. That was when Scott was what 50, 55 years old. So. Uh, I, was a wee I was a wee lad, very, barely. In <laughs> you were never school. a wee lad. You were born six foot and 200 pounds. Um, and then you grew from there. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, Jordan, you don't look like you've been around since 1976. Um, so 
you, where'd your passion for firearms come from? Uh, because you must have it to be where you're at. You know, I, I haven't been around since 1976, but, um, you know, I, I grew up in, you know, in the South and had a, had a strong gun culture. And uh, um, I got to uh, attend Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, and um, I saw that they didn't have a gun rights club. And uh, I was like, well, I'll start one. And then uh, things come along and I reach out to different groups and I reached out to GOA and, and Eric Pratt. Uh, who's our senior vice president, came and spoke to our group. And then I started interning that next summer, and um, they haven't let me uh, go yet. So uh, <laughs> I've been working for GOA for going on six years and all. So it's, uh, it's a great uh, group of people we got. And I tell you, our job, the way we look at things, is to put ourselves out of a job. You know, we all love what we do, but we would love to repeal every single gun control uh, law on the books, uh, roll the ATF not into the FBI but into the trash can and kick our feet up and you know hunt turkeys or something you know but uh, until then you know we're focused on on the fight and not only defending the Second Amendment but also restoring it as the founders intended. If you just joined us uh, we've been talking with uh, Gun Owners of America Scott Van Kirk uh, and I had this conversation, and uh, it was very enlightening. I really like what this organization does. Larry Wayland is with us from uh, from Modern Arms uh, at the Brown Station location. See, he's even tra he's even trained me to say it that way. Uh, but we're going to come back and chat with him about some of the things that we uh, covered here today. Uh, also, uh, a shooting in Columbus that is getting undue publicity. Uh, and some of the suggestions made by people on the left on how the police officer should have handled it. I'm chuckling because it's so incredibly stupid. Uh, we got a, a gentleman in Massachusetts trying to open up a gun store. Uh, that, didn't, that didn't panning out too well for him. We'll tell you the stupidity of that one as well. House Democrats introduce a bill that would gut the gun industry. And what's going on at the Federal Register? that's going to affect the gun industry. All that coming up on Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. It is 35 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, Scott Van Kirk is uh, on board with us this morning, and uh, so is Larry Whelan, who apparently has <laughs> emptied out the... Oh. oh, good morning, Gary. Hi, Gary. <laughs> uh, the commercial breaks. What people miss. Oh, man. We should broadcast those. That'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> that'd get us in all kind of trouble. You uh, you got anything left in the store? You brought everything here. We got, well, well, I brought four beautiful pistols in. Um, yeah, we got we got a little bit of inventory. It's um, uh, it's not easy to get additional inventory right now. Uh, you know, our, our special order model of being able to, uh, if we don't have it, we can have it in your hands in two days that's broken right now um you know there's just not a lot of uh, replenishment products available but our distributors are getting us products uh, scott some, put the gun down oh, quit. no no it's no. okay he's not gonna hurt it okay. he's, we, he's, we took he'll have bullets. it he'll have it <laughs> <laughs> he'll have it disassembled in moments it'll be all over the console yeah. um all right so there was a shooting in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and I've seen the video. I'm sure all of us have seen the video. Uh, we talked about it on the weekday show, uh, where this police officer has has been called out. Uh, some woman in a panic, saying that uh, somebody's you know a attacking somebody. 
Uh, he rolls up, and this woman has uh, a knife in her hand, and she ultimately, within the first couple of seconds, has that knife, and you can see it in the video. She's about to plunge it uh, into the gut of, a, of another young lady who is, uh, who's there, and the police officer opens fire. Well, I looked at it, and I don't see where he had any other recourse. But then I'm not the expert that Joy Behar is. <laughs> I mean, it seems to me, in a situation, this is what it looked like to me, and I've looked at the tape, and I still can't figure it out. Um, shoot the gun in the air as a warning. Tase a person. <laughs> shoot them in the leg. Shoot them in the behind. You know, stop them somehow. But if the only solution is to kill the, a teenager, there's something wrong with this. There's something very, very wrong. Uh, you know... I never thought of it that way. Scott, you're in law enforcement. Why don't you guys shoot at the ankle or shoot at the butt? I, and I don't know why the officer didn't do that. I, I remember Ms. Behar being one of my firearms instructors back at the academy. <laughs> and uh, we learned all of those techniques. Yeah. We learned, we learned the warning shots. Shoot it shot. in the air, yeah. And we shoot learned warning air. shots, yes. Especially in the air. Yeah, in the air, yeah. yeah. That was, as she specified, that's right. warning it's, shots it's in not, the air. It's not so much Because they don't come down. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that a warning shot is the worst idea in the world, but let's make it a little worse and <laughs> do it in the up air. Up in the air, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and to be honest with you, this one's an easy one to actually physically demonstrate. And, uh, you know, in a completely safe environment, no lethal weapon environment, we'll get an airsoft gun out and just start to move like you're involved in any kind of altercation and I'll try and just tag you in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the funny thing about the human body when you're in movement is we're bipeds. So usually it's our legs that are actually in movement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you just had adequate training. Right, right. And I, mean, I yeah, because I, if there's what? one thing I have not had, is very much training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. complete no training. <laughs> yeah, um, completely you know, lacking. I, I really think a social worker could have probably just worked this out. It looked like as as that knife was going <laughs> towards just, the uh, the young lady that yeah. was pinned up against the car, getting ready to get stabbed with it with a, a, a steak knife. Um, I, I'm pretty sure a counselor could have just you know they could have played checkers. Well, yeah, that that and, social uh, worker would social have, worker. Yeah, they could have would have had to been a member of the fast talkers of America. <laughs> Just well, no. You go in for a hug. It's yeah. okay, baby. Yeah. It's okay. It's all yeah. right. Pat, pat, pat. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, and then, and then, and Some, then we have sometimes we more need blood. cops with guns to stop uh, murders from happening. Stop uh, violent attacks. What? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we what need that. What a novel concept. Yeah, sometimes we need that. Yeah, and sometimes uh, people that are in the act of uh, you know committing an assault with a deadly weapon get killed at the hands of a police. That's it happens. It happens. Yeah. That's probably one of the country's most famous basketball players instantly posted a photograph uh, of this police officer with the uh, admonition that uh, he's next. Uh, mm. I, you know, people are responding without knowing what the situation is. And it's turned into a, a social pressure kind of thing. So that if you're in law enforcement and you're doing your job and you 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 have to use your weapon, because I don't think they, anybody wants to, but you have to use your weapon, uh, you better make sure that it's, it's not a person of color. Because if it is, they're going to come down on you like stink on poo and ruin your life. 
I, if I'm that police officer, I'm, I'm concerned for my family. I'm concerned about my home. Uh, I'm concerned for my life. These people are getting their lives ruined for doing their jobs. And idiots like Behar are, tr are adding uh, fuel to the fire by suggesting that you do the impossible. Shoot a gun into the air. Shoot into the uh, leg or the, the, the butt or whatever she said. If, I were in, if I'm in law enforcement right now, I'm not sure I want to respond to calls uh, dealing with people of color. Well, I'm, I'll go on record as saying that um, if I were still a law enforcement officer, um, it's probably time to play firefighter. Yeah. <laughs> which means that you sit in your car and you wait for the calls to come in and you pray that you are not going to be involved in any use of force. Yeah. Um, any use of force at all. Because, um, yes, there's a racial component, uh, especially in recent uh, highly publicized shootings over the fast past, what, five, six, seven, ten years. Um, but I see that component will continue to morph into all use of force. And you really, I mean, I still have friends on the job, and they're pulling the pins as fast as they can and, and retiring. Yeah. And uh, even if it means a, you know, a, a smaller pension, and going out and finding different, starting different careers, starting second careers, because it's not worth it. And you know, Larry, the net result of all this defunding the police and attacks of law, on law enforcement is that violent crime in those areas where they're doing this is going up. Yeah, the, the, the neighborhoods are getting more and more dangerous because more and more things... Uh, don't get a blind eye turned to them, but uh, effectively, you know, there is less and less response. And the the social interaction between people has, has devolved to such a low level that somehow, you know, in the case of this 15-year-old, you know, well, they, they weren't doing anything wrong. You know, I'm hearing in the background of the, of the body cam video, what? This is acceptable behavior, it's stabbing just, people? It's just you know? children fighting with knives. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Where literally it's just, I mean, it's something that happens. Yeah, that's I mean, you normal. Know, that's it's, normal. It's just so, a knife fight. It's yeah. not a big deal. But, you know, the, the <laughs> efforts to defund the police and the efforts to, to tie the hands of law enforcement does nothing but embolden uh, greater criminal activity. I'll and, tell you what else. And the, the, the gun buying public is aware of that movement nationwide, has been, and are putting tools in place and training in place in their own lives so that they if they have to deal with it at the front door, they've at least got the some ability to do so because, you know, the police will do everything they can to get there, we assume. But it's a long time from 911 until, you know, um, you know a badge in blue shows up. Well, that, that was the point that I was going to, is that people are watching this unfold and I think are rightfully concerned that law enforcement may not be able to respond fewer and fewer numbers of them uh, and more and more caution on their parts for fear that they'll be uh, you know eviscerated by the political left and let's face it they're they're the ones that are really going after law enforcement and so people are going that's part of the reason for the surge in the sale of firearms yes oh absolutely yes indeed. Um, yeah. and it and it it gets uh, you know first it's covid and then it's all this tumult and then it's uh, biden uh, and then we see more of this tumult 
I don't see where this ends uh, anytime soon. Uh, this uh, this uh, outrageous demand, and I, I think that the Democrats are actually hurting themselves by making this an issue. I also think you're going to see more mass shootings if we don't get rid of all these lockdowns, because I think there's a correlation between the lockdowns and people going half you know half a bubble off plum. I think that it that it wears on people's psyche, and that it's tied to that. Anyway, we got more. We got a guy trying to open up a gun store in, in Massachusetts. Why would anybody want to do a thing like that in Massachusetts? We'll tell you what's in his way next. Carry on guns. Hot talk. Ninety three nine Eagle. It's it's fifty five oh fifty minutes after the hour. Uh, as you can see through the window there, uh, Brian has been laughing and chuckling all, all morning about this. Yeah, the aforementioned stabbing. Because it OJ it Simpson be funny, tweeted. But when OJ Simpson weighs in on it, <laughs> then all of a sudden well, it becomes I mean, funny. It, oh, it, I, I haven't even heard this, but i, I got to click this now. Has it been long Hey, enough? Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Tough morning listening to all the criticism that LeBron Le, uh, James is getting. Um, I'm a fan of LeBron. I admire the work that he's done, how he's helped his community and how he's helped his friends, uh, and how he's been fighting all of these social issues, especially that of systemic racism in the legal system and with the police departments around our country. But you can't fight every battle, you know? You can't, uh, you gotta pick your battles. I mean, it's a war that must be fought, but sometimes you need to take your time and be a little more patient before you comment on some of these um, um, bad incidences that I <laughs> O.J. Simpson talking about somebody <laughs> with a knife. Hey, uh, hey, hey. I'm sorry. Hello, so, Jay. hey, if, if there's anyone, anyone <laughs> that you can name who knows the consequences of a knife at short range, <laughs> it's O.J. Simpson. Subject matter, <laughs> subject matter expert. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they could call him in that case in, in Dayton and say, um, he'll be testifying for the officers to just how dangerous a knife is. Uh, God. Doesn't <laughs> he just you can't make it up. Yeah. You'd think that came from The Onion or, or one of those satirical uh, <laughs> diurnals, but no. He really did that. So, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, oh Lord, <laughs> Massachusetts town. Uh, there's a, a guy trying to open up a gun store in Newton, Massachusetts, and apparently there are some people who are upset about this. The city council they they managed to stop him from doing any more remodeling on the building uh, because allegedly there was an outcry. They have issued a stop work order for the owner, preventing him from doing any more renovations on the facility while the mayor and the city council members scramble to find a way to keep the business from opening its doors to customers. Quote, every single counselor has signed on to an item that's very specific about looking into what kind of regulations we can put on gun stores, said city councilor Rick Lipoff. The Ward 8 at-large counselor and vice president of the council estimated the council had received about 100 emails a day since Friday, the day after it came to light, that the gun shop was proposed uh, for this uh, building. If I receive 500 emails, 495 have been against it, 5 have been for the shop. So now I'm thinking to myself, if there are that many people in town 
that don't want a gun shop, then they won't be shopping there. He won't have customers, and he'll go out of business. So the free market could take care of this if they just let it go. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. 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 Oh, what? Well, what do you? What silliness are you talking about? Free market. <laughs> free for, market. Free market forces. No, what are you talking about? This is a danger to the community. You're so, talking about a building that has firearms in it, and those firearms could just spontaneously start to hurt people. Government must what, intervene. Uh, we must. We must do something about it as Mel Brooks pounds his hand <laughs> on the table. We must. Well, I, harumph. But maybe the problem here is the 500 people in the entire community that don't like the gun store are screaming and yelling. Uh-huh. But the rest of the community do want the store, and he might prosper. And they're, it, it, it seems to me they're probably afraid that that's the case. Yeah, they are. They're, they're, they're afraid it will, be, it will thrive and provide a valuable customer, a valuable service to, to the, the community. community free, free market. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, my. Good God. What, what is it going to do to the sales tax base? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh my God. What are we going to well, do? <laughs> will, will they take that blood money or oh, will they I, you know, refuse, I don't think that, you know, to be honest the with, blood money of, of sales to, tax on guns? To be honest with you, to be, to be, uh, you know, to stay in line with their thinking, I think that they really should come out and say, we refuse to, to take any sales tax. Sales tax. We yeah. will not accept that sales tax. I think it would be a yeah, yeah that, that would be great the, for their 500 constituents. That's that the right thing to do. <laughs> I can graphically illustrate the odds of that happening with a blowtorch in one hand and a snowball in the other. All right, so apparently any firearm that's sold in that gun shop, the buyer is going to uh, have to get permission from the local police department and pass a background check just to buy the gun there. Mm -hmm. So it, I mean it's even sillier. Uh, even those restrictions aren't enough for the anti-gun mob because at the end of the day, they don't want anyone exercising their Second Amendment rights, says the uh, the uh, uh, folks at Bearing Arms. Residents say they're concerned about how a gun shop could influence the neighborhood. Larry, what are you doing um, to the neighborhood? Yeah, right. I've uh, always, I've, there's always a sketchy <laughs> sort of vibe whenever I go into my yeah, arms. Yeah. It's, not, like, it's yeah. not, it's not the gun shop. It's Larry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that could be. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've met, I've met um, most of Larry's immediate family. Um, it's really Larry that's the odd man out. They're all, yeah. they're all nice folks. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking he was adopted myself. But I don't know. Yeah, a, um, a blight on the community. What a silly excuse. I mean, it really is a silly excuse. Uh, and it is uh, tyranny of the majority. Yes. Uh, at least when but it comes to the response. It's to tyranny of the minority. The, yeah. the, 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 the loud minority. Right, right. And... Um, and and that's that's a horrible downfall that we're seeing. I mean that that's kind of a result of uh, the social shaming aspect of even just people that don't wear masks. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to be like, oh, you're you know, you're making me more dangerous. Well, it's but the, you're you're causing me danger because you're fully vaccinated and not wearing a mask. What? It, 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 no, it, stop, stop, stop social shaming people. It's, just, well, it's it's the squeaky wheel. Uh, gets the grease should be replaced but to the literally to the <laughs> tenth degree. I like that. I like yeah. that. And I don't know what you're doing down there at the Brown Station location, but <laughs> dragging the whole neighborhood down. Yeah, with you. yeah. 
uh, you know, just, just greasing the wheel. I moved out of Boone County because I wasn't too far from his store. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the further <laughs> away, get blight. away from Larry Wade, yeah, it was yeah. urban, better. Urban blight. It was a very upscale neighborhood prior to that. Yeah. yeah. A lot of uh, million dollar homes and things like that. Larry moved in. The place went straight <laughs> to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Larry has, and by the way, uh, the store is empty now because based on what's on the console here, I'd say they're, all the firearms are here. We got more guns in there. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Also, I got a, a message about a HIPAA rule change and what that might mean specifically for the firearms industry in Missouri. Hmm. All coming up. Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle.